Hi, I'm Nora, and I'm at church. Whenever we have anxiety and a fear, the first thing we should be doing, and I think this is the first thing we should be doing as followers of Jesus, is assessing our anxieties and fears uh, through the lens of like reality. How real is this? How necessary is this? Is this in my mind or is this in reality? And in with COVID, it is a reality. People are dying, but what's my risk level? What are some things I can do to combat that? So, so that kind of covers the fear bucket. And when we think about the vaccine, bringing it to the vaccine, how real are the fears that I have with the vaccine? Now, part of the vaccine fears that and anxieties we might have is that there's no human who's had the vaccine for a year and knows what it's going to be like a year later. So anyone who says a year later, you're going to be perfectly healthy after this vaccine. There's no way of knowing that because the vaccine hasn't existed for a year. This is a fast tracked vaccine for the purposes of dealing with a global pandemic. You can't deny that there's going to be some uncertainty. That yeah, defund the church, rebuild the kingdom. Ain't no doubt time to wake up because the church walls shouldn't be there to keep people out. Yeah. Let's come together, ready for change, now is the time We are one unit that is under God, let's put an end to the racial divide uh, I gotta scream it out louder, let's rebuild the kingdom from the ground up Bringing unity in the community and keep the Holy Spirit all around us Yeah, yeah, defund the church, let's go Hello everyone, and welcome to another episode of Defund the Church I'm Frank here with Pastor Justin of the Belong Collective And we want to thank you for joining us today If you haven't already, subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher Podbean, and all other major podcast platforms. There's going to be quite an interesting topic tonight. I love saying that. Every, I think everything we talk about is interesting on the show, Pastor. But uh, recently, obviously, the vaccine, COVID-19 vaccine has come out. Um, and there's been some very strong opinions on, is it safe? Um, it, should you get it? There's even some, some scriptural references. This is the mark of the beast. And so I just kind of, before... I give my thoughts or anything. I just want to know where you're coming from, what you've heard, how you feel as a pastor about the vaccine. Um, what would you recommend to, to somebody of faith who's saying, should I take it? Is it safe? Um, what, what are your recommendations with all the misinformation out there about the COVID-19 vaccine? Mm, thanks, Frank. That's a that's kind of a, a huge question because there's there's various parts to this question. Like first and foremost, you have the health components so the science and health component. And then you have like the misinformation component and the fear component of putting something in your body that um, maybe you have concerns about. And then you have a faith component, which is interesting uh, because, uh, and by faith, I mean, spirituality, Christianity, religion, whatever, you know. Um, so I think first kind of separating these three buckets of, we'll just call one bucket religion, we'll call one bucket health. And we'll just call another bucket kind of a general fear of, we'll just say fear of the unknown. We all have a fear of the unknown, right? Like that's kind of the fear that we're living under right now with COVID is a fear of the unknown. We don't know how our immune system is going to respond to COVID. So I'm a generally healthy, active individual, but I know people who are generally, or I, I have health workers that I'm aware of that, um, that I'm friends with that have um, held the hand of someone who fits my category of age, my category of general fitness and wellness, and have held their hand while they've taken their last breath due to COVID. So I know that those stories exist and I'm a father of three and I have a wife and I, I, I I'm not going to lie. There's a, there's some anxiety there. There's some fear there. Not, 
not that I'm letting that grip and control me, but at the same time, I'm aware of it in the sense of, oh, this is a, a risk that exists in our world. Uh, I also think there's a fear of a risk of like, so what's the inverse of if I were to get the vaccine, maybe have an adverse reaction to it. Um, but I think whenever we talk about fear and anxiety, we have to then ask ourselves how much of this is real and how much of this is me, um, you know, importing fear and anxiety into my circumstance, maybe unnecessarily or without it having much grounding in reality. So I, I like to say this, um, I, I dealt with anxiety and even panic attacks for a while. And one of the panic attack things that I had was around my children being hurt. I would see them running in the living room and I would see them trip and hit their head on the coffee table. Um, and I actually had to go to therapy for this because I was having such like severe panic attacks where, and it was always around my kids safety. And there was some previous trauma that had happened to my daughter that kind of triggered a lot of this and for me. And so what I realized was like, this isn't real. My kids are running in the living room. This is normal. This is okay. But I'm always seeing this moment as a moment to be afraid of, right? Not a moment that I should be afraid. Certainly an accident could happen, but it's very unlikely, right? Like statistically speaking, my kids could run for 365 days through the living room, never tripping and bumping their head on the corner of the coffee table, right? And no amount of padding the coffee table was going to change it because it just would have shifted to something else because it was in my head. It was anxiety and it was fear that was unrealistic, right? And then if you were to say like, let's, so let's flip that and talk about my fear of snakes because I'm afraid of snakes. Um, uh, we actually had a snake in our basement that I had to extract and take outside. It got in our house. Like this is real. Um, and, uh, and we live in an older house, like a farm to kind of house. And like, uh, I was terrified while I was taking that snake out. And here's the deal. I was rightly terrified because snakes bite. Like, you know what I mean? Like, uh, like, like the anxiety and fear was real. Now the snake wasn't poisonous. It wasn't necessarily going to hurt me, but look, I'm afraid of that. That's something that, and that's something that like most people have a fear of because there is a, a response to, to that. So I guess what I'm saying is like, whenever we have anxiety and a fear, the first thing we should be doing, and I think this is the first thing we should be doing as followers of Jesus is assessing our anxieties and fears uh, through the lens of like reality, how real is this? How necessary is this? Is this in my mind or is this in reality? And in with COVID, it is a reality. People are dying, but what's my risk level? What are some things I can do to combat that? So, so that kind of covers the fear bucket. And when we think about the vaccine, bringing it to the vaccine, how real are the fears that I have with the vaccine? Now, part of the vaccine fears that and anxieties we might have is that there's no human who's had the vaccine for a year and knows what it's going to be like a year later. So anyone who says a year later, you're going to be perfectly healthy after this vaccine. There's no way of knowing that because the vaccine hasn't existed for a year. This is a fast tracked vaccine for the purposes of dealing with a global pandemic. You can't deny that there's going to be some uncertainty. There's going to be some level of risk that might be uh, larger. The question becomes, is it larger than the potential of getting COVID? Um, and so, uh, that's where I think I'm going to say, I'm not a health professional. I'm a pastor. So when we get to the health bucket, when we move from the fear, anxiety bucket to get to the health bucket, to talk about the vaccine, I'm going to lean on experts who know about the vaccine. I'm not going to say, here's what you should do. Here's what you shouldn't do because I'm not a health expert. 
where I am not necessarily, I don't even say, use the word expert in the Bible. I would just say where I have some general knowledge as a pastor of the Bible, of religion, of uh, faith communities. Um, I, I do think religion is always trying to provide an answer to the problems of our world. Um, sometimes reaching for answers from the Bible that aren't necessarily there. So like uh, the Mark of the Beast, for example, has been used um, as a reference to the, uh, the vaccine, that the vaccine is somehow the Mark of the Beast. W one of the things I would say is, so I, I don't necessarily read Revelation the way that individuals who come to the conclusion of the Mark of the Beast read it. I think it's important that there's a lot of various ways that the book of Revelation has been read throughout history. And the Mark of the Beast being seen as this like mark that you receive I mean, it was Darby that popularized the theories that we have in most of our modern day evangelical churches of, um, of kind of this like apocalyptic literature being fortune telling for where we're headed as a society. Um, and he did that in the 1800s. So like, this is not the long view of how church history has recognized the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation has always been seen as Jewish apocalyptic literature, which was largely critiquing um, it's day. And so if you've ever heard of people talk about how 666 is referencing Nero, that's, that's how the early church likely would have read this book. And so when you read Revelation, um, is it 13, 18, it's, uh, it says, um, let the person who has insight calculate the number of the beast for it is the number of a man, the number is 666. And so the picture here of like getting this number, getting this marking, these were like popularized, like, I mean, and prior to that, in that in in that chapter, it's talking about uh, the mark of uh, the beast and the beast on earth. It's re it's referencing that. The point I'm trying to make is like, I also think what seems to be clear. I just want to talk about within that theology. I don't believe that theology. I don't ascribe to the theology of like a mark of the beast. But even if you do ascribe to that theology of like, there's going to come a time when we're going to have a choice to take the mark of the beast or not, in like this actual way of getting a mark it almost always seems like we are going to be aware of that choice. It's not going to be thrust upon us as a choice that we're not going to be aware that we're making. So I think the idea of like a vaccine being that um, it seems more to be like the mark of Rome and whether or not we're buying into empire is what John might be critiquing there and putting all of our faith in empire, which is a very relevant conversation for the world today, who seems the Christian world today, who seems to be putting all of their hope and trust in empire being marked more by their allegiance to a candidate than by Jesus, that might be considered a mark of the beast, in my opinion, more so than a random vaccine that you're taking, because you're making that decision. You're aware of the exchange that's happening there. A random vaccine that's happening being the mark of the beast, I'm just less, less likely to, um, to believe. I also think Jesus is interested in healing us. And, uh, and, and this vaccine has the potential to provide healing. And so we should be also celebrating the potential that healing could be provided through something like this barriers for people to be safer and healthier. So I've talked for a long time, Frank, I don't know if there's, if I, if there's other things you were thinking about or hearing about, about the vaccine and what you were, um, what you were considering from a theological or church perspective about the vaccine. Man, that's good. I, I like, you know, I always say this, and, and, and trust me, um, I, I really mean it when I say it. I like how you bring in a perspective 
that that empathizes with where people are. I think a lot of times, one of the things that, that's a struggle, in, especially in the Christian community, is people are just saying whatever they think, and they're not considering how other people might feel. There is some real concerns. Like one of the things that, um, and I, when I want to read Revelations uh, 13, 16, 17, just, just to make a point. So if you have fear, you read this, right? Like if you read this, and I'm reading from the King James Version, this is Revelation 13, 16 through 17. And it said, he called us all, he called us all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond to receive a mark in their right hand or on their foreheads. And that no man may buy, sell, save he have that mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. So if you start buying into a conspiracy theory that, oh, I can't go anywhere now if I don't have this vaccine, if I can't you know, travel outside the country, but I like, you start putting these situations and then you can almost it turn this into that, right? And, and, and so there is a component where you said, if you, you have to have this term, you have to be in Christ to say, God, is this, is this the mark of peace? Because like you said, there should be some knowledge of like, we shouldn't just be walking in, taking it just, you know, right? So there's gotta be some discernment there. One of the things that, that I, I wanna touch on first, I'll take it outside of scripture first is, there's a huge distrust with black people with the vaccine. You know, um, for those who can't see me, I'm black. Um, and, and, and the thing is, you know, I've actually gotten the first dose of the vaccine. So my, I, I don't have an issue with it. I, I'll tell you my perspective on it in a second, but I understand those black people that fear the system, right? Because you've got the Tuskegee Airmen, you've got Henrietta Lacks, you've got a number of malpractice. Even, even if you think about um, Billie Holiday, the way she was kind of murdered, chained to her hospital bed, like that was there's some there's some stuff that's happened to black people in hospitals that I get it and I'm not trying to be an apologist right like if you're listening to this I'm not you know don't call me an uncle Tom or whatever like that's not what I'm doing what I'm saying is those things are real but here's a couple Dude, of things. I, I co-sign I co-sign on everything you just said what what's amazing to me is how African Americans in uh, people of color in general with the medical community. I have a friend who's actually just enlightened me to some very interesting statistics around infant mortality rates in the African-American community when white doctors are performing. Like it, it's, and, and when a black doctor is performing for a, a, a person of color, it's a different death rate. And you're just like, like, and I mean like drastically different. Like some of these statistics that are coming out are fascinating in the sense of like, wow, the distrust is real. And it should be because like the, the, the statistics bear out and the history bears out a, a real distrust. So I do want to say that one of the, I mean, obviously missed that from a white male perspective, not having that experience. Like our, our culture and our background are going to import the amount of fear and anxiety, like I mentioned earlier, and whether or not that's real. In my case, as a white male, I may have less fear and anxiety because that's not my history. That's not my experience. And as, as an African-American, you're going to have a different experience. And that's, yeah, sorry. I just wanted to co-sign no, on that because that was really important. Really. No, I, I, I thank, I thank you for that. Um, I think, I think what's, 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 what, you know, Pastor Justin is saying is there's, there's a reason to be distrustful and it's not just in your heads, black people, right? If you're listening to this and you're black, we got a white man in Christ for lack of a better term. Who's like, look, it's real. And so, and so, and so, if you pray about it and God says no, then don't get the vaccine. Right? I'm not here to tell you to get it. But what I'm telling you is, I prayed, and the situation in which I got the vaccine, it was very much like God. I was like, okay, this, this is this is the thing to do. One one thing I will try to debunk is this: 
there's there's a couple things that work against the conspiracy of there's this black agenda, black sinister agenda for the vac like for the vaccine, right? One is how quickly it came out. They didn't have time to develop the black and white vaccine. And two is we don't have the colored and white doctors where there can be like easily segregated, like here's all the black vaccines, here's all the white ones. Like it's not to say that it couldn't happen, but let's just it's it's just a lot less likely with it, with the structure of how society set up and it's not also not profitable for AstraZeneca or Moderna or Johnson and Johnson to decide to make a, a cocktail to kill black people. That's going to pretty much bankrupt them. That's not profitable right now. It's not profitable to be a racist, certainly not a genocidal racist at that. So from that standpoint, I'm not saying that it, it makes you should trust the system, you should just trust the circumstances around what's happening as to it's not nefarious. The, the, the second thing I wanted to say is if we don't get the vaccine, then the virus doesn't end. And I think that's where we talked about Jesus healing. And I wanna, and I wanna, I wanna bring something to that, bring something up about that. So I wanna go and talk about the Israelites and their trip to the promised land. I wanna talk about the difference in what God did pre um promised land and then the promised land and when they were getting to the promised land we all know the israelites were complaining they were like man we should just die in egypt there's no water he, he moses would strike rocks speak to rocks provide water he provided quail when they complained about the mana he provided first right he provided enough for each day on you know twice on saturday for sunday so he did amazing works he he basically walked them along he sustained them when they weren't ready to take hold of the process. He's like, I'm going to teach you how to steward, right? I'm teaching you, we're going to teach you how to steward, right? And then they get to the promised land. He's like, okay, now you're going to have to trust in me. Everything that I provide, now I'm going to provide for you, but it's not going to be in the form of food. It's going to be in the form of, you know, the providence I give you to take out your enemies, right? So you have the, the 12 spies that go, 10 come back and say, man, don't look good. Let's go back to Egypt. And Caleb and Joshua are like, bro, y'all tripping. It's, 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 it's some giants out there, right? Nephilim, whatever, right? <laughs> whatever. And But we can take it. We can take them with the Lord. I want to come back to that and say, I believe, this is my belief. I'm not prophesying. And I know this is a thing that people are doing, but this is my, what I feel like was revealed to me was that God, before the vaccine, God has sustained people. He's saying there was no vaccine. This came out of nowhere. I know a lot of people died and got sick, but a lot of people also did not die and get sick, right? I, 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 my family had gotten an exposure and all of us tested negative. I believe that was the grace of God as well. So what I'm saying is God protected us, but I also believe now he provides the provision of the vaccine. He's saying to me, he's like, take the vaccine. This is my healing. You see what I'm saying? Like one of the reasons why Jesus was debating in the garden, I believe this is me also just kind of spitballing is he was like, Lord, can I, can I, can this cup pass for me? And it was like, it couldn't, it couldn't pass because he didn't, he didn't have enough time to lay his hands on everybody who have COVID now. There has to be a vaccine, right? There has to be something that transposes his healing in the way the world is built. So I believe that this, this vaccine falls under the miracles of greater works than he. And so I take it as, man, this is his provision now in this season to take the vaccine. And, 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 and so I understand all those things. I'm not downplaying anything I said, especially if you're African-American listening to this, 
But what I will say, I do believe that God has moved into a different season and this vaccine is, is now available and it will protect us and it will get us past this point because people keep wanting to wave some staff or spring some holy water. This vaccine is not going, I mean, excuse me, this virus is not going away. We have variants. We have to achieve a certain amount of, of, of immunity. Um, and, and for those people who are saying, well, I have faith, I won't take, I'm gonna give you another uh, one irony before I pass it back to you, pastors. The ironic thing is for those people that say, well, I don't wanna take the vaccine, I have faith. All the people that are gonna take the vaccine are gonna be the ones that create the herd immunity that now you have the faith for. But who had the faith? The one who took the vaccine and did the work to the one who just believed that it was gonna be okay. So I just wanna leave it there. I, I, I just, I'm just really, yeah, that's where I am with it right now. No, that's good, Frank. I think, I think, you know what I've been saying to the people who are like, I just have faith that I'm not going to get the vaccine because God protects me and God's here for me. And like, God will protect me is like, uh, I mean, part of the struggle I have is like some of those same people are the people who, will, who, who have, who have done so much protection of their own personal property or themselves and so much preparation for the potential of someone attacking them with a gun that they carry a gun with them wherever they go. Like you literally plan to carry a gun on your person. You've invested in that because you feel that you need to have protection. You don't trust God for to protect you. So you trust God to protect you from a airborne invisible virus, but you don't trust God to protect you from a violent enemy. I'm confused. Like, so your, 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 your trust of God is limited. Now, look, I'm not trying to say, I'm not trying to speak judgment to that person who's hit, who's listening, who's maybe made that. I'm just saying, I think we all have to be aware that like sometimes what we're afraid of in certain areas we respond to and we prepare for and what we're afraid of in other areas uh, or what, or, or, or the lack of fear we have in other areas allows us to just excuse things away as if I'll just have faith. And it's not really faith. It's, it's that we're just not taking it seriously. Those are two different things. Does that make sense? If you're not taking something seriously, you don't have to have faith. Does that make sense? You don't take it seriously. That, just say what you do. You're, I'm not taking it seriously. That's fine. I actually have more respect for the person who says I'm not taking this virus seriously than the person who says I have faith that God will protect me. If you say that, you need to have that across the board. Just say what you, what you mean. What you mean is you don't take it seriously if you're also planning for all these other preparations to protect yourself. I, I want to share a story, and this might be a little bit long-winded, but I feel like it really relates to one of the things you said about prayer um, because I do think we pray, but I also think there's this reality of like becoming the answer to our prayers. And so when we talk about like a vaccine being developed and herd immunity and multiple vaccines being developed, by the way, you have these doctors, some of which are Christians who are working and, and in their mind, the work they're doing is a, a work deeply connected to their faith in Jesus, right? Um, to heal the sick, to care for the poor, to, 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 you know, enter into spaces of brokenness and provide uh, restoration, redemption. Like this is, this is the Christ-like way to love our neighbor as ourself, like to love these people who are suffering from this virus or might suffer from the virus. So, I mean, I want us to all kind of consider that person who has the knowledge and ability and biological background, who's gone to school for all this crazy amount of time because i know a few people in the medical community man they're in school forever i don't understand how they do it um <laughs> but 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 I, I want us to think about those people and it's like we're we're praying and i think that's super valuable we need to pray 
But we also have to recognize that like God also has positioned people to become the answer to those prayers. And I never really understood this until I actually got to know a homeless man named Steve. So I used to live in Wisconsin and there was this man named Steve who showed up one night when we were at rehearsal on a Wednesday night, we would rehearse. Uh, we would practice with the band for Sunday morning worship. And he showed up and he was like, Hey, I got a tent. Uh, I'm, I travel. I was thought you guys might have a service. And I'm like, we don't have a service. You can sit in and listen to music if you want. And he's like, yeah, I'm homeless. I just drive my bike around and I drive all around the country in my, in my, on my bike with like pulling it, this little like carriage thing on his like pedal bike. Okay. So this guy's an interesting cat right off the bat. I'm like, okay, this will be interesting to get to know this dude. Like who just randomly pulled in our church parking lot on his pedal bike as it's getting dark. And he asked if he could set up his tent in the back of the church. So I was like, okay, sure. Go ahead. Like we have property, like I'll, I'll allow it, you know? Um, and uh, so he did. And then the next day I came to the office, he was still back there. We ended up, I ended up taking him out to breakfast. We had a great conversation. Then he was on his way to the next thing. We exchanged email and uh, stayed in touch. And then he came back through the next summer. And the next summer I'd had enough email communication with him that I was like, I want you to stay in my basement. And like, like in my house, like, I don't know this guy that well, but I've got to know him a little more. Right. So he's staying in my basement now. And I'm literally, I got, I got a young daughter at the time. Like I'm a new parent. So I'm sleeping in the living room because I'm like, all right, if this dude is some sketchy guy, like I'm, I'm, I'm making sure like I'm, I'm, I'm I've got the anxiety. I've got the fear. You know what I mean? Like I'm being smart. I'm not trying to be just like absolutely complete faith in this person, but I'm getting to know him and I'm getting to know his story and his background. Anyway, the third year he comes, I spent extensive time with him, probably four days that he stayed uh, in Wisconsin with us. And like my family got to know him. Like we got to, you know, I have pictures of him holding my daughter. Like, I mean, he, he's, he, he became almost like a family friend in, in some ways. And so I was sending him off that third time that he came out to our, to, to, to Wisconsin. And I would always send him off with like going to Walmart and buying him some supplies, some tubes for his bike, some other things he might need, whatever he might need. I would spend, you know, 50 bucks to hundred bucks on just things that he needed because I really like just saw it as like such a blessing to like, for me, it like to be opened up. And we were, we were, we were taking, walking out of the Walmart and I just, uh, I looked at him and I just said, man, he, he had, he had shared some stories about how, cause he was stranded in Michigan the week before with a flat tire and could not get anyone to give him a tube to buy him a tube for his bike. Like it took like two days for him to get someone to buy him a tube for his bike. Um, and I said, man, how do you deal with, and I was contemplating a lot in my life about prayer at that time. And I was like, how do you deal with asking people for the needs that you have? Like, cause you're literally living on a, like, give me today, my daily bread type of life. Like I don't live in that world. Like, I'll just be real. Like I have money. I have, I don't have to pray to God today that I'm going to have my daily bread. Cause it's in the fridge. Like, I'm just, I mean, that's, that's just a reality in my world. Right. But this guy literally has to pray for that and mean it because the, him being hungry or not. And I asked him that, I just said, how do you, how do you continue to have faith in God when you see God not show up and answer your prayers. Like you're praying. And I like, I've, I've learned from you about prayers, what I said, and I'm a pastor and I've learned from you about prayer and about faith. And he said, no, 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 no. You're seeing it wrong. Justin. He said, God answers my prayers. I said, but dude, you had to wait like two days for that bike tube. 
And, and my, my, my thought that he was going to say back was going to be, no, God answers prayers in his own timing. That's not what he said. He said, no, God answered my prayer. God prompted multiple people to buy me that tube. And they just didn't. God prompted multiple people. He was constantly answering my prayers. He's like, when I'm going hungry, God's prompting all kinds of people around me to provide for me, to help me. And they're just ignoring that prompting of God. It's not about that God's not showing up for me. It's about that people aren't following through on God's call for them to answer the prayers of the, of the people. And I think there's this picture of like, like when we think about prayer, there is this reality of like, we're called in some ways by Christ to become the answer to our prayers. Like love your neighbor as yourself is a call to be actively answering the prayers of people in your community to care for the poor, to care for the widow, to care for the orphan. You're, you're going to answer some prayers if you're doing that work. Like, uh, and, and I think we've all probably been in a position where we've seen someone in need and felt this tug in our heart that was spiritual. It wasn't just, oh, I should do the right thing. It was like, I don't know that I could say no to this because this seems to be more than just like, I see a need and I should go meet it because I'm a good person. But actually that like something in me is telling me, I, I need to do this, that I'm called to do this, to step in and meet this need. That changed my whole perspective about prayer and about action in prayer. I think we're called to be active as we pray, to be seeking solutions, not out of our, our pride of we can fix our problem, but out of what has God equipped me with. It's God that equipped me with that. It's still God answering the prayer. Does that make sense? Me buying him $50 or hundred dollars worth of stuff to send him on his way is still God answering the prayer. God provided me with that money. I didn't, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's still God answering the prayer. It's not me answering it. It's God answering it. But I guess I'm just saying, I think sometimes we need to have a more robust view of prayer that like God is actively working in humans, faulty, messed up humans, even to solve even global pandemics or, or, or to bring answered prayers to that through a variety of things, maybe even a vaccine. That's not to say that the vaccine is God's answer to this pandemic problem, only answer to this pandemic problem, but it might be one of the answers. And I think we have to consider that, you know, how, how potentially this could provide healing. And so even as we're praying, acknowledging that there are some people who are actually equipped with knowledge gifted by God um, to be the ones to study the biology and the breakdown of all this stuff to figure out how to, to solve it from a health perspective. I don't know. I don't know if that connects, but I do think that that might, you know, be a word for someone who, who might connect prayer with action. And I think we should be discerning and praying about taking this vaccine while also acknowledging that there are people acting who have done work to, to even become an answer to this prayer of getting out of this pandemic. Oh, that was a great, that was a great story. I think that was definitely well, well placed. Um, I don't really have anything. I'm not going to add anything to that because I think it's, it would be all downhill from there. Um, I, I, I liken it to when there's a great testimony and like the preacher gets up and still preaches like you had me right there at the testimony. And then you preach for another hour and it was like my eyes were glazed over. So um, like I said, man, I this this was this is such an important episode. I'm, I hope you listen. Like I said, we, we tried to deliver this in love and 
and and like I said, you don't have to agree. We like we're not the final arbiters of what you do. We we encourage you to go to God in prayer. Now Amen. we might have prompted you to think of some things specifically to pray for and ask about, and I think that's fine too. I think that's what we have you what we want to be. We don't want to be the answer. I think too many people want to be the answer. Like here's what you should do because if you, we don't know that. We don't know what yeah. God's story is for you, and so we just want to encourage you to pray and encourage you to not, if, if other people are taking the vaccine and you're not, that doesn't mean they don't have faith or vice versa, right? Like you just, Romans 14, Romans 14, right? And, and, and let's, let's read that and understand that during this time um, and understand that our brothers, we should respect their, their wishes and their choices and, and, and lift each other up. Because one of the things that you mentioned is like, you know, the pandemic, obviously the vaccine is one answer, but love is the real answer. Because without that, you got nothing, you know, you can kill, you can kill a virus or heal a virus, but then you'll die of something else if you're, if you don't have love. So um, just want to give you that um, to, to, as, as we head out, uh, Pastor, unless you have something else, we'll. we'll um... That's great. All, all great words. I think it all centers on love. And uh, yeah, I think we've, we've, we've covered a lot. Yeah. So again, we want to encourage everyone, if you haven't already, subscribe, iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, and all other major podcast platforms. Give us a five-star rating. Leave us a review. We'd appreciate it. Share the podcast with your friends. These are great conversations, like I said, that I believe we need to have in the community of faith. And even if, even if you know people that aren't in the community of faith, these are the con kind of conversations that are being had in the church. People think we that aren't being had. We want to just share this with everyone. These are important issues for everyone. So we just want to do that uh, again. We want to thank you for listening. We love you guys. And we'll see you very soon on another episode of Defund the Church. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Please subscribe and iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, and other major podcast platforms. And also, don't forget to visit defundthechurch.com where you can find news and information on how to support this movement and rebuild the kingdom. Thank you.